does it mean to be UMC? Each episode of this podcast series explores that question with clergy and laity at the East Ohio Conference sharing stories of how lives are being transformed through the ministries of the United Methodist Church. This is Storyboard, Faith, Witness, Transformation. Welcome to Storyboard, Faith, Witness, Transformation. And today I have the pleasure to share the microphone with a few individuals from South Street Ministries. If you've never heard of South Street Ministries, you are in for a treat today. As their vision reads, if you visit their website, pretty easy to find their vision statement. And it reads, South Street Ministries aspires to empower authentic community voice, leadership, and transformation within the South Akron, Summit Lake, and reentry community. So uh, let's meet our guests and dive into our discussion. We're going to go around the table here and we're going to start with my right. Why don't we uh, get to know you guys briefly and uh, give you a chance to introduce yourselves? Brett, I'm doing good today, sir. Uh, So my name is Joe Tucker. I've been with South Street Ministries for 13 plus years. I get the privilege and pain of serving as executive director. All right. And uh, let's keep moving on to your right. My name is Jeremy Jordan. Um, I facilitate the Tuesday reentry meetings. Um, I've been with South Street for almost a year now, and um, it's definitely changed my life. All right. Excellent, Jeremy. Thank you. And to your right, my left, completing our circle. Monica is my name. My last name is Moaning. Um, I've been with Reentry through South Street for just about a year, and it's definitely changed my life. People there are great support in the community around there. They've definitely been beneficial in helping me come home from prison. Excellent. I am excited for our conversation today. I've been looking forward to this episode for quite some time. So let's dive in and start with uh, giving our listeners a little bit of background. Joe, what is South Street Ministries and how did it get started? So South Street Ministries is a neighborhood development organization. We were started 26 years ago. There was a couple, Dwayne and Lisa Krabs. They felt a conviction to love their neighbors. It was part of their faith expression. Actually, Dwayne comes from a a Methodist family. His father was a Methodist pastor up at, I want to say, Northampton, UMC. Mm -hmm. And uh, after his rebellious years, he circled back to faith and (laughs) really felt this call towards the Summer Lake neighborhood. So he wanted to move there. And uh, after four years of praying and conversing with his wife, Dwayne and Lisa moved into the Summit Lake neighborhood. So a big part of our organizational DNA is proximity, Mm -hmm. loving our neighbors in places of closeness, proximity, solidarity. And for Dwayne and Lisa, that was moving into the Summit Lake neighborhood. Over the years, we've worked with the South Acre neighborhood as well. We acquired a building called, we call it the Front Porch. place for change and transformation, a hub for sobriety. And in those early days, we started this renovation of an old ethnic club into this building, the front porch. And our neighbors there are the Summit County Jail, the community-based correctional facility. Mm -hmm. So again, from Dwayne and Lisa moving into Summit Lake, from us rehabbing this building, the front porch, our mission has always been enacting love for those that are proximate to us. Again, that, that faith calling of loving our neighbors. And so what are, well, let's, we'll start broad. What yeah. are some of the, some of the different ministries, some of the ways that South Street uh, is able to work in the community? So what I love about South Street 
is that South Street Ministries and that ministries is plural. There's mm-hmm. a lot of different things mm-hmm. we do and facilitate to, you know, enact transformation in the places we care about. Sometimes as people of faith, we care about individuals being transformed, but we recognize when a bunch of individuals are in a place together, we have the capacity to transform that place as well. Mm-hmm. So what does the transformation of a Summit Lake look like? What's the transformation of a South Akron look like? Mm-hmm. For us in Summit Lake, we have a, some joyful youth programming. Mm-hmm. We work with uh, first through fifth graders, kindergartens at times, uh, with a program we call Rich Kids. And we rebranded it from after school to be Rich Kids because we really want to look at the inherent worth, the inherent value of our kids. It'd be easy to say we have a bunch of you know, low income or at risk kids, but we frame it as rich kids. So we see their inherent richness and value. Mm-hmm. We also do enrichment activities. So it's a nice little pun in the summit Lake neighborhood. We also facilitate a community bike shop. That's how I started with South street ministries. I did a project in my youth serving with bike shop and little did I know six, seven years later, mm-hmm. I'd be back running it as a young adult. Mm-hmm. Nice. And with that one, I get, we have the chance of working with kids and more and more adults now too to fix a bike, learn how to repair a bike. And in doing so, they earn that bike themselves. For our youth, often that just puts a caring adult in proximity. Again, that closeness Mm -hmm. to a kid where, hey, figure out how to fix a flat tire together. Figure out how to thread this brake line together. Mm -hmm. And when that product's done, that kid's earned a bicycle and ideally the skills of using their hands as well. And a feeling of love that they may not have gotten from another adult. Yeah, that's right. For sure. That's Especially right. in that community. Uh, we also do a basketball program called Open Gym. We've been doing a lot of intentional work with young adults proximate to episodes of violence. That's a program called I Pick Me and Before I Self-Destruct. So we have some really dynamic staff leaders that are engaged in young adults that are proximate to some of the pain points of our city to say, man, young man, there's some, there's some alternatives for you. Listen to these options and really step towards them in, in mentoring ways and relationship ways. And then at the front porch site, uh, we host, we don't run, but we host about 10 recovery groups. And then we facilitate, and I got my facilitators right here, a weekly peer-to-peer support reentry meeting. That's a you know, 15 to 20, if not 30 or 40, 50 strong gathering of returning citizens or justice-involved individuals coming together mm-hmm. to talk through their problems, their issues, their frustrations collectively, and to hear from one another of what's worked well, what's been a frustration, and uh, where they go from there. Exactly. This this idea of reentry program or reentry ministry, that's not necessarily something that is really thought about mm-hmm. when it comes to a lot of churches mm-hmm. or even a lot of people who it's not, it's not going to be something that's top of mind for mm-hmm. a lot of people. Right. And so that's what a lot of our focus is going to be on for this episode is this reentry ministry. Okay. And so, Jeremy, I want to throw this out to you as, as a facilitator. Walk us through what this reentry looks like. Uh, what What is it about this that makes it a vital ministry? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a vital ministry because it's something that it binds us all. We all come from, most of us come from incarceration. And getting out, we all face the same issues, getting employment, getting housing, having somebody that you can sit down with that actually knows a a better path, knows a way that you can get out of the frustrations to stop the cycle of being reincarcerated again. Mm -hmm. So what we do twice a month, we hold a co-ed meeting. So we have women and men all in one 
Um, we have people that come out that bring job opportunities. We get them all under one roof. And a lot of these guys and women can look at ladies like Monica, men like myself, who come from that. And they can see that it is a better way that you can choose life, that you can get out of this cycle. And it just humanizes everything. It, it makes people understand that they're not in this alone. And not only me and Monica, we have Joe, we have guys like Sean Bond or Donovan Harris, uh, Lamar Atkinson. We have these great pillars of what men and women can actually, what they really are. And a lot of times we get caught in these cycles because we don't have that mm -hmm. growing up. We don't mm -hmm. have that uh, man that I, I can look at as a young boy and say, that's what a man is. That's how a man conducts himself. So I was blessed to get this opportunity to just walk amongst these men and to actually close my mouth and just listen mm -hmm. and, and open my eyes and watch how Joe conducts himself, how he speaks to people. He's a pillar for me. Our meetings also, we break them two, two times a month. We'll break them into just men and just women to where Monica can sit with her ladies and they can have more of a personalized because it's other things that, you know, it's different things that women might deal with versus men. Mm -hmm. And I get that chance too. I can sit down with with the fellas and and really give them a space where they can voice their frustrations. And we live in the solution at South Street. Mm -hmm. We live in the solution. We hear the problem. We live in the solution. And it's something about seeing somebody that has done it themselves. Mm -hmm. They lived in this. I lived in the solution. I've made better choices for myself, which ultimately gives the motivation to the next man that's coming up, that's feeling frustrated, that's feeling alone, that's feeling um, the pressures of reentering society. And I think that's a lot of it is knowing that there's people that you can go to that have felt it. Mm -hmm. And we think about incarceration. And my biggest thing is the incarceration or the drug addiction is a symptom of something greater mm -hmm. that's coming from a trauma or something that has happened, which is not only a problem for incarcerated individuals and people who are addicted or have other issues. That's something that's relatable to everyone. I right. just chose to deal with my trauma in a way that put me in prison. Mm -hmm. Reentry actually affects like 7 million people in the state of Ohio, yeah. not just people who are coming home from prison, because anybody that's been convicted of a crime faces the same issues that we face, whether it's a misdemeanor or a felony. At the end of the day, we're all reentering society as new people, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. And we all go through the same or similar emotions and feelings dealing with that. So just because you were incarcerated in a rehab and I was incarcerated in prison doesn't necessarily mean that our journey is the same, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a whole lot different than people would expect either. We still have the same issues coming back into society. And the biggest thing about South Street to me is the inclusiveness. Mm -hmm. There's no it doesn't matter where you're coming from. If you're having issues in the real world and you're struggling with something you're welcome to come here. If you need to talk, you're welcome to come here. We're all trying to figure out how to live in this world that we're in. It's chaos. And with the support and the help of each other, it makes it a little bit easier. Yeah. We actually call it the hangout for change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's the hangout for change. We give people a place to go, a place to decompress, yeah. a place to put themselves around people who might have the answers to what they're, what's stressing them out. 
or even a different perception. I believe that my peace personally is found in my perception of every situation. And if you're having a crazy day and you come to me and say, hey, look, I just lost my house. My dog got ran over. I'm going to jail. I mean, I could come up with 30 different ways to look at all of those situations that seem life altering in a negative way and try to change your perception on it so that it's not negatively affecting your life. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that I really appreciate South Street as well is that I can go to these people and be honest and real and tell them like, hey, I'm struggling. Like, yes, it might look good on the outside, but inside I'm going through some things. I need your opinion. I need you to just listen. And these people care enough about me, even not knowing me a year ago to say, bro, that's crazy. You sound nuts. Do you want to go back to prison? Because the decisions that you're talking about are going to possibly land you there. Mm-hmm. And having that realness and that raw love supporting you and just somebody loving you enough to say, no, that's not a good decision. Like that's so instrumental that's right. in us coming back and being able to function. You need to know that there are people that love you no matter what unconditionally. They just want to see you succeed. And most of us coming from trauma, incarceration, drug addiction, we've never felt that. Even mm-hmm. as children, a lot of us have never felt unconditional love. There were always conditions on something. So to be able to just walk in there and in my humbleness say, look, I need your help. And then be like, okay, come on. And they pick me up and they lift us up and they say, let us empower you. Here's the tools. Mm-hmm. You take the steps and we're going to support you. Mm-hmm. As long as you're doing this, we're going to support you. We will make sure that we have the people in place to help you get through anything we can. And that's so huge just knowing that and that's what I try to preach to the ladies like no matter what come here I don't care what you're going through I don't care if you relapsed I don't care if you ran away from the facility if you're struggling come here mm-hmm. we are here and that's to me that's the biggest thing is the sense of community and the just the unconditional love and the realness of the people in that building and that ministry is amazing to me and it's, awesome. it's people there you know we're there and we're going to show up Mm-hmm. If you if you're going through something late at night, call somebody. We're going to mm-hmm. show up. We're going to talk you through it. We're going to give you that different perspective. If you need moved out of your home, we're going to show up. Mm-hmm. We're going to help you. We're all in this together and everybody is vital to this. You know, this is society. This is our community. This is how we start to begin to take it back and to change the narrative, to change mm-hmm. what we see outside. And we have to do it within ourselves. You know, I have to I, I, I have to do self-care for myself so that I can show somebody else how to take care of themselves. that you don't have to go off the deep end when things go wrong, that you do have somebody there. Because one thing that binds us all is we all feel pain. We all feel struggle. No matter where you come from, we're all human. So let's South Street Ministries, we get back to being human. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody's hungry, we get them something to eat and then we show them how they can get something mm-hmm. to eat on their on their own you know and i love it there it's it's literally joe asked me a while ago what um what south street has done for me or what i think of it i said that it taught me how to walk with my head held high mm. and i don't plan on putting it down and that's key for somebody coming home when you feel like the world's looking down on you and you've already got 15 strikes against you based on a piece mm-hmm. of paper yeah and it sounds like with uh with this reentry ministry like there's there's equal parts of uh, practical how to adjust to reentry into into society. normal society, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but also building this community for 
uh, emotional health, for uh, for spiritual health, for even just being able to, like you had mentioned, Monica, just being able to be there mm -hmm. on those rough days where you feel those 15 strikes against you, mm -hmm. where nothing is going right. How have, are you able to maintain all of those things on a day-to-day -day basis? Uh, what, what type of a structure has uh, this ministry put in place where you've mentioned those meetings, those four meetings a month, mm -hmm. but you've also brought up this idea of if someone calls, we'll be there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you've mentioned a few other facilitators. What does the team look like? What does the process look like to put all this into place when, uh, when someone has come to you to be a part of this ministry? Okay. So when they first come, they'll sit down with one of us. Sometimes it's me. So when they sit down with me, we have a conversation. We find out the truth of mm -hmm. what they're going through. I sat with a guy yesterday that's going through things. I give him a space to let the, let the problems out. Which is key. Right. Just getting it off your chest a lot of times is the most important part. Once you get it out of you, right. it's easier to deal with it. And then we'll have them fill out, um, what's it called? Little needs assessment. Mm -hmm. So it's an assessment that they'll take, just their name and everything. We create a folder for them. Uh, we have a spot in there that said, that uh, asks them, what all do they need? Do they need food? Do they need bus passes? Do they need help with jobs? Do they need mental health? Do they need peer-on-peer -peer counseling? Do they need uh, recovery support? Do they need rehab? Do all of these things. And they'll simply, you know, through our conversation, we'll, they'll check some off. We create a folder for them. And now they're they're in the middle of everything, so it's it's bigger than just just the Tuesday meetings. Mm -hmm. So um, we like to create volunteers. They can volunteer. Mm -hmm. uh, it gets them active. It gets a person active. It gets them out of them themselves. It gives them a, a sense of self worth. And that initial assessment, though, I think more than anything, that allows them to be heard in a non biased safe place, mm -hmm. which is very key because mm -hmm. now we understand. And you're also talking to someone who understands where you're coming from. You don't feel ashamed. You don't feel these guilt feelings because you're talking to someone who's been there. You mm -hmm. don't have to lie to me. You don't have to sugarcoat it. I get it. Right. Be honest with me. Let us help you get through this in the way that we can. And I think that original assessment is a very welcoming way to find out someone's true needs and actually be able to start communicating with them in a real way. And that makes them feel heard, which gives them value. Right. And it also, um, once they fill out the assessment, so the assessment is just basically so South Street Ministries, we can we can see where the where our funding's going. We can see how many bus passes we have, how how far we stretch peer support wise. So it's not it, it's completely confidential. It's mm -hmm. really, really personalized. Um, and from there, like I said, we like to create a volunteer. We like to look at what they need. If they need bus passes, we can get them peer support. We, it's a whole building full of people that are there to help for that. Uh, we have connections with Portage Path, with um, all kinds of mental places, mental health places, mental health people that can help us. Mm -hmm. and we just create a plan for the person to put them in the best situation to succeed. Based on what they want, right. not based on what we think. Right. It's, mm -hmm. it's so personal. Like it's all about you individually with this whole community of people that are willing to give you a hand if you're willing to take the step. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And that's the empowerment part to me. Like that's the, you're not just doing it for me. You're giving me a place where I can do it on my own. And then I get my sense of pride back. Now I feel like I'm accomplishing things. My day was not wasted. Even if I didn't do anything but come to the office and answer the phone and say, hey, 
I'm glad you called me. You reached out like that gave me a purpose for my day, knowing right. that I didn't just sit around and do anything today. The world's not looking at me like I'm a felon who's not doing anything with my life and never will. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a great thing that gives us, again, a sense of pride, a sense of value, a sense of people caring and being able to care about somebody else to pass that love on that I've received from these people <laughs> is one of the biggest blessings that I get out of it for real. Yeah, that's that's one of the biggest parts for me also. You know, Jeremy and I are still volunteers. We do this because mm-hmm. this is literally our peace, helping these people and being able to share my experiences is my mental, my spiritual peace. I need this in my life as much as they need us. He and I tell them regularly, like, we need you guys too. For sure. And that, I think that is helpful for the men and the women mm-hmm. because now it's, it's putting it into a family. We're all in this together. And I think that's just the biggest thing about South Street is the inclusion of everyone, <laughs> no matter what situation you're in. I'll right. add some long-term context to that too, Brett. Sure. You see uh, with South Street, you'll have that re-entry then a redirection and ultimately a restoration. Mm-hmm. Um, our founder of reentry is a guy by the name of Donovan Harris. And he coined those three R's of reentry, redirection, restoration. Mm-hmm. And he'll often say like, I want to see people living in their purpose. Mm. So that's so for a lot times. of times what that will look like is what I'll tell, tell folks. Cause again, I'm a church kid. I'm an Eagle Scout. I've never been locked up. I got a speeding ticket. That's about it. <laughs> so like my experiences you. are, you know, quote unquote normative. But I get a chance to be proximate, again, that word proximity Mm. to a lot of people that Jesus likens himself to, right? Jesus says, I was in prison and you visited me. We got to pay attention in scriptures of who Jesus correlates himself to. Mm. I was hungry and you fed Mm. me. I was in prison and you visited me. There's no condition on that, Mm -hmm. right? He doesn't say I was in prison for this charge or this charge Mm. or that or this. He just says, this is the context. This Mm -hmm. context is important. And you showed up for me in that context. Period. So as people of faith, like that's, we got some discipleship work to do to get to that point, to get over our biases or misconceptions or preconceptions or whatever it may be, to be a point where we can, as Jesus says in Matthew 28, serve the least of these, mm. show up in those places and prox- proximities. And what you see over time is as people step towards their purpose, reentry doesn't stop. Mm-mm. I mean, we'll get folks that have been out for, two, three, five, 10, 15 years. Mm -hmm. And they'll say stuff like, I'm still triggered by this, that, and the Mm. third. I still feel this kind of way Mm. about myself. So oftentimes, and you heard Jeremy reference in this, there was immediate needs. I need a bus pass. I need my identification card. I don't don't, don't have any food. Mm -hmm. So we want to respond to the immediate. And for folks that are fresh out, those needs are fresh. Those are the important needs. Uh, But for folks that are a year out, they may got a place. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're working a job but they're afraid to take that next job. Mm-hmm. So really it's, it's the team coach. And someone to say, bro, believe in yourself. Mm. You can, you can step towards this next job. Mm. And they say, well, what if I don't get it? What, right. if I, what if I'm not employed? All right. What if they don't do it? Or it's been years for me to get back with my family. I've had to rebuild bid bridges or just maybe, maybe dealing with a piece of, I'm never going to have this relationship again. And I have to be okay with that. Mm. So reentry doesn't stop. Sometimes this journey of being a, a whole person of finding your purpose, 10, 20 years out, you're still on that journey. Mm-hmm. I, I like framing that with uh, putting a discipleship element. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's, it's, even even discussing this idea of this reentry ministry and something that people a lot of people don't think mm-hmm. about as being as vital as it is well, and biblical mm-hmm. yeah you know, 
I'm going to drop this on Jeremy right. and Monica. They haven't heard this before. <laughs> but one of the things I'll talk about with church folks is like a theology of reentry. Mm-hmm. Joseph was incarcerated. Mm-hmm. Jesus went through trials and persecutions. Mm-hmm. Paul was incarcerated. Yeah. He writes his epistles from mm-hmm. prison, yep. from house arrest. <laughs> so we we have to begin to see within scriptures some of the realities of incarceration, prison realities as discipleship components. Mm-hmm. And, and Brett, I'll say, I'll get a little bit deeper here. I think one of the limitations we have to that as, as Americans is, and as American people of faith, we believe in grace for sins, but we don't often believe in grace for crimes, mm-hmm. right? So we'll, we'll forgive our sins. I'll confess mm. my sins and Jesus will forgive me. And I can be a whole person again, but yeah. I got to pay for my crimes. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not, I'm not here to top to bottom dismantle the criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. Although I would call for a lot of reforms. <laughs> I'm um, sure that's oh, another yeah. series of podcasts yeah. for another we, we day. I think part of that mm-hmm. starts with our theology. How do you know? I believe in grace for sin. Can we also mm-hmm. believe in grace, redemption, restoration for the sins that happen to be illegal as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And also recognizing that sometimes some of the things that we decry as illegal uh, aren't in and of themselves sinful. We, that part. we chose, you know, 60, 70 years ago, prohibition made alcohol illegal. Mm-hmm. Right. We are, our laws are things we have set in place. Mm-hmm. And yeah, again, this would be another podcast in and of itself. But again, I, I often encourage people of faith to lean into some of the the deeper theology around, do you really believe in grace? Do you really believe restoration is possible? Do you really believe in redemption? Because this is a place where you're going to see it in reality, you know, test it in reality. Yeah, I'd kind of like to piggyback off of that. Um, So in the situation you brought up, Paul, I know before that story, he was Saul and Mm -hmm. he fell and had the whole life changing experience. Most of us at some point in our life, whether you've been incarcerated, addicted to drugs, the fact that you're mature means to me that at some point in your life, you've had a situation that you thought was going to break you. Mm -hmm. You had to stand up and make that decision. Okay, I'm not going to. This is not going to change my life. This is not going to deter me. We need that. I mean, as you grow, you have to come into that. And I think a lot of times the fall is what allows someone to stand up and finally say, okay, this is my purpose. This is what I'm going to do. This is where I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to do it. But had I not fallen flat on my face and had to take that humble step and look up and say, hey, I might need some help, I wouldn't be where I'm at. Mm -hmm. And like with the Bible stories, that it all comes back to it. Once you've taken that fall and you've been in a place where you have nothing to do but turn to God, then you start to rebuild that relationship. God didn't leave me. I walked away from him. He's always been standing there. I just had to turn around and come back and say, look, I couldn't do it on my own. I couldn't do it on my own. And that's where this reentry ties into that because we can't do it on our own. And I never left. Reentry is not going anywhere. I may make a bad decision and end up somewhere I don't want to be. But I know that at the end of the day, I can come back to South Street and go to reentry and they're still going to be there. And that's where the ministry comes in for me. It's that constant foundation of knowing that I can have faith in that. And for a lot of people, myself included, when I was reestablishing my relationship with God and that whole thing, my faith was something that was in question because it was not something I could touch. It was not somebody I could go to and physically see. And I'm questioning everything. Why am I in this situation? I'm not a bad person. I went to church. I prayed. How did I end up in prison? 
Mm-hmm. Had I not gone to prison, I would still be doing the same things and I wouldn't be living in my purpose. I wouldn't know anything about South Street. I wouldn't be able to help these women and myself and have these relationships with these incredible people who have my my love and support me and love me back. And again, for the first time, that's something a lot of us haven't felt, myself included, is unconditional love. And I think that all kind of just ties it back into the ministry with South Street because that's really what it's about. It's just an all-inclusive we love you fall on your face and we will give you the hand to help you get back up. Mm-hmm. And that when you brought up Paul, that really, I was like, Oh, yeah, one, of my, fall. one of my favorite services we do is we'll do birth certificates and IDs for folks that need to get their identification back. And you know, when you think of the BMV, most folks think of it as this boring, anxious line, frustrating place where I have to go to get my license renewed. <laughs> I have had some spiritual transformational mm-hmm. moments at the BMV mm-hmm. as folks get their identification cards back. And it's, it's this Saul to Paul, this, you know, Jacob to Israel moment of finding mm-hmm. your identity again. Cause for a lot of folks, they, you know, you may have a street name, mm-hmm. you may have a street identity mm-hmm. and then you get this transformational, you get your identity back. Like it is a restoration moment. Even just getting your BMV birth certificate papers. A lot of us are coming from situations where we have cards that we have to wear on our shirts tagged to us. They have our photo and a number. Mm-hmm. I'm not a successful anything. I'm not a citizen. I'm literally a number mm-hmm. with the last name. And then to come home and go get that birth certificate and go get that ID and actually look at it and know that I can hand that to somebody in a store. Mm-hmm. It is one of the most empowering feelings that you have because you're no longer a number anymore. I am now Monica. Yeah. It's not 106885, which is a number I'll remember for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. But it the feeling, like I stood in the BMV and cried because, wow, I'm a human being again. Right. I am a member of society right. again. Right. And mm-hmm. people don't think about things like that. Something so simple, like literally a state ID will change the entire way somebody feels about themselves. And once you start to change those feelings about ourself and you start to love yourself and start to re visit who you really are, I guess you become human again. And then you're able to accept the love and to pass it out and to want better for yourself. And I think a lot of times that's our problem is we don't want better for ourselves. We've never had better. We don't understand that it's possible if we put in the work Mm -hmm. and the people around us here, Jeremy, everybody there, like we want better for ourselves and we want better for each other. And we're there to help put in the work. Yeah. I have to, I have to renew my driver's license in about a month. And that is definitely going to change how I I think when I'm standing in that line. Right. Wow. Yeah. So let's, let's loop back into this idea of discipleship. Now I don't want to, I don't want to sugarcoat for anyone listening. Discipleship is not a one and done process. It is Mm. not a continual process of success after success after success. I mean, if anything, and I'm sure that each one of you around this table can attest is if if you pull back and look, it is probably going to look from the outside as more failures than successes. But we've heard a lot about the challenges and the struggles that a lot of people who are, are going through reentry face. Let's take a few minutes and focus on some of the successes and the joys that you get to see with the, the individuals that you get to work with. What are some of the things that you can share that have just brought your soul joy and have brought a smile to your face and at the end of the day have have been able to 
have you sit at home and say, that's why I'm doing this? Hmm. I got one for sure. I got one too. Right. It just happened yesterday. So <laughs> throughout my life, um, I was homeless at a, at a time in my life. Mm -hmm. You know, I was homeless and I had nowhere to go and I was hungry and I was exhausted. And I tell this, this lady that I was blessed to meet her. I come out of my house one day and she's literally sitting on my steps and she's exhausted. She's, it's, it's literally what I looked like when I was out there. Mm. Um, me for making good choices after being homeless and um, changing my life. I was able to sit with her and just sit next to her, make, make her feel that she's human again. Um, I would bring her out some water. I bring her out some food. I bring her out um, a couple cigarettes if she smokes. Mm -hmm. um, so this girl, we actually pulled her to the ministry. She immediately jumped in because now she has a purpose. Now she's a, she's a part of something. She's human. Mm -hmm. She has her identity back. Um, she began to walk high, mm -hmm. helping with the meetings, mm -hmm. started to actually influence some other ladies, you know, and, and, and that's the thing. That's the biggest thing is to see not only myself to come from struggle, but to see the constant cycle of South Street, to see the constant pulling up of somebody. And then watching that person be able to be in a position to pull somebody else up, you know, and to not lose their self while they do it. That's mm, the key. That's the key. That's the key in this. Can't put all your hands out. You can't pull everybody else up at once. So we all need each other. Mm -hmm. We all need each other. And it's so empowering to see. But that was so huge for me to that made me look at myself and, and how far I've came and to be able to do that for somebody else. I know how much it meant. Mm. I know how much it meant because I've fell before like that. I know that pain. I know that emptiness. And it's just an amazing feeling, man. And I would I would do it for free. This is being human. This is mm -hmm. I would never let somebody pass me that is hungry, thirsty, mm -hmm. cold, or just needs a smile mm -hmm. and needs somebody to see them as a person, no matter what they're uh, financial state is, mm -hmm. you know, and that's what we're about. So that's what I love about it. And it's so many other stories too. But <laughs> So yesterday and the meeting that I do on Tuesdays, there's three or four women who have came back after they've been released from whatever facility that they were in. Mm -hmm. And yesterday, two of them came to me after the meeting and said, I just want you to know that you're the reason we keep coming back. And I looked at him and I was like, well, I want you to know that you're the reason that I keep coming back. Just knowing that watching me through my struggles, through my successes, through my failures, a couple of these girls I lived with inside of a facility and we struggled and fought and ate together and to see them continue because they're inspired by what I'm doing while they're all the time not knowing that I'm super inspired by what they're doing. So the give and take like that, that's huge to me because like I said earlier, that's my spiritual peace. That is my mental safe place. I love the feeling there. And just knowing that that passing of energy, like it's mm -hmm. so genuine and it's so real and there's just so much love in that building that I don't see how somebody wouldn't want to come back. Mm -hmm. So speaking of coming back, my success story uh, I was in my office, which is at the front porch, and uh, one of our, not quite reentry alums, but someone who had 
you know, kind of, again, had a job, had a place, runs into the building and says, Joe, man, come on outside. I want you, I want you to see something. <laughs> and I run outside and he has a, uh, he has his own tow truck. He's moved into uh, this place of entrepreneurship where he now owns a towing truck. And that's his, mm-hmm. that's his vocation. That's his income. And he was elated. Mm-hmm. Just, just show me this vehicle that he now owns, operates, uses for his income. Now, two, three years prior, this individual was down and out. Mm-hmm. His head was low. He had a couple bags he got it released with. He came to the front porch with nothing and his bridges were burnt. Mm-hmm. So the reentry team walked with him and walked with him. And, you know, he did those bare basics, got his ID, got his employment, got a, got a, got a J-O-B <laughs> and worked that J-O-B until he had enough money to do what he wanted to be doing. But once he did what he wanted to be doing and finally got his truck and moved to that, that vocation of towing and, and trucking, he came back mm. and he just said, Hey, look at this. I'm so excited. <laughs> and again, you see this with Jesus, right? You see yeah. like those parables, not even the parables, the miracles where mm-hmm. he'll heal 10. And that one cat comes back and says, thank you. Mm-hmm. Right. So like you, you pay attention to those moments of transformation and community because those success stories keep you going amid mm-hmm. some of the hardships as well. Mm-hmm. Those hardships are there. Awesome. As we wind down our conversation, if anyone who's listening is is touched and wants to get involved or even just support South Street, how would they be able to go about that? Yes, I'll start off. I mean, this is an online podcast. So the best thing to do would be go to our website, southstreetministries.org. We talked about reentry today, but you can volunteer with kiddos. Mm -hmm. You can serve with the bike shop. We run a, we partner with a business that has a coffee shop in South Akron called Porchlight Coffee Company. So you can stop by the front porch for breakfast, lunch, coffee, Monday through Saturday, seven to two, seven to three, and just be proximate. Even standing outside that building, there's somebody that you could talk to. I mean, there's that community has so many people just wandering. If you just go in to have coffee, there's probably somebody sitting on the bench that may need a positive word and a smile. And it's that simple. And that literally could change somebody's day. Mm-hmm. And part of that community feel at our reentry meetings is we have a community meal. Mm-hmm. We have the meeting from four to five. We end at five with a with a gathering for around food. And sometimes we buy that food, pizza or chicken. Mm-hmm. Sometimes groups bring it in. I've been thrilled. We've had a lot of Methodist partners that mm-hmm. have come in, brought a meal. What was that like a couple of weeks ago when we had the, some of our church partners? Yeah, there? they brought um, Amazing. pulled barbecued chicken salad. Brownies. But the best part to me was that they were engaged. They sat mm-hmm. in our meeting. They listened they spoke to us afterwards. They they were human with us. They didn't just say, oh, these people are coming home from prison or these people are drug addicts. Let's just give them some food and drop it off. No, they came in early. They hugged us. They engaged. They sat and listened. They mm. witnessed afterwards like they they were super involved. And that that meant something to me because it wasn't just a let's go donate some time or some food. It was something that they actually cared about. For sure. Yeah. And they came and they made us aware that they cared. And that was what touched me the most was that it was obvious that the love was there no matter what situation we were in. I want to thank you all again so much for being with me. I know that I have been greatly encouraged and inspired by uh, just sitting here and talking with you guys. And for those of you listening, I pray that you've been encouraged and inspired by hearing how God's working in and through South Street Ministries. And if you have been inspired to get involved or to even just to support and like Monica said, just go out and and talk to someone outside the coffee shop, that can change their day. It can change their whole mood that day. 
We'll put all of this information in, in the show notes where you can visit the website. You can contact uh, people who are involved with the ministry there and find out more information. We're just so excited to see what God is doing in and through South Street Ministries uh, in, in Akron and beyond. You can learn more about the East Ohio Conference by visiting our website at www.eocumc.com or by finding us online at Facebook at facebook.com slash eocumc, on Instagram at eocumc, or on Twitter at eastohioum.